going to, to sound like and look like somebody else. I tell you God, a few months back, I was at a funeral. And this man stood up because he had lost his wife. And I forget how many years, years they had been married. But he decided to have words at the, at the service. And he talked about his kids and each one of his kids. And then he talked about his wife. I was no longer there. He talked about the years that he had spent with her. He talked about the tears. They had been through a lot. She had been sick for some time. They had been through it with their children. He talked about all of the fears of living without her. What if or what might happen? And you know what that man said at his wife's funeral? And he screamed it because he was so emotional. He was hurting so bad. He was hurting so bad. Hallelujah, because his wife was gone. But he screamed it with all of the emotion that he had. But God is still Word. 
And I was still standing up. I, was, I didn't even know what was happening because I was in worship. And the person that I came to church with, when I finally said that, I cannot believe you were still standing up. Everybody's been sitting down. And there just comes a point in your grown-up life, in your mature life, that it's not about what nobody else is looking at. I am connecting with God. I'm there. I'm going. I'm out of here. I need to be in a place to worship with him. It's not about this. Come on, y'all. And so I encourage you. I pray that those words, they hang. Hang in your spirit. That after all of these years, after all of these tears, after all of these fears, God, you're still here. Even when it did happen, they did leave. They did die. You did lose it. It didn't happen. After all of that, he's still still good. But how do you know he's still good, Pastor Sharetta? How do you know? Because I'm still here. to the word of God. I do believe that God has a word. I thank you all for being here. For those who have not been here before, I am Pastor Sharonda Manna Foster. I am the co-pastor here at New Antioch Christian Fellowship. 
at Eliante. Our brother co-pastor, senior pastor, uh, Dr. Naima Parson is off on assignment in Belize. Um, and they are having a fantastic uh, God-anointed time over there in Belize. And so do pray for our team safe travel. They come back at the end of this week. Um, but I do believe that God has a word in the house. I feel prayer in my spirit. And so I, I do want to get to some prayer. If you have a need, don't, don't let me miss this as I get into this word. If you have a need, after all these years, if we got some tears and we got some fears and we got some things that need to be addressed in prayer, we're going to talk about it here in a few minutes. Um, I want you to prepare yourself to come to the altar. I don't care who's looking. We believe in the place of prayer. And we're going to pray. All right, so let's get to this word. Let's get to this word. This is in 1 Peter uh, 4, 7 through 11, and it is in the Amplified uh, Version. And let's read this together. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, each other. Is that the... Yeah, I thought I had the Amplified version. And so y'all sit down and let me read in the Amplified version because I need y'all to, uh, to grab this in the Amplified. I sense that it's not the ABC, that's on me. But I, I, there's more that it says and that I want you to have in the Amplified version. But stay alert and pray with me. It says, the end and culmination of all things is near. Therefore, be sound-minded and self-controlled for the purpose of prayer, staying balanced and focused on the things of God so that your communication will be clear, reasonable, specific, and pleasing to him. Above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace. Faithfully favor. Whoever speaks to the congregation is to do so as one who speaks the oracles, the utterance, the very words of God. Whoever serves the congregation is to do so as one who serves by the strength with God abundantly supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified, honored, and magnified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Y'all, let's bless God for his word. Did you know that there is a blessing in the reading and the hearing of the word? And so just because we have read the word and heard the word, you are already blessed by the word. It's already working in you because that's what the word of God does. But I have a question for you on this afternoon. Why? Why did you do that? Why didn't you do that? Why did you say that? Why didn't you say anything? Why do you look like that? Why did you wear that? 
did they do that? Why did they say that? Why did they go there? Why did that happen? All day, every day, there is a questioning of motive. Why we do what we do? Every day, all day, we are operating in motives whether we know it or not, whether we realize it or not. Motive. Motive is a reason for doing something, especially one that is hidden or not obvious. Some of the things we do, we don't even think about it. We just do it. Some of our motives are hidden from us. Most of the time we are on autopilot and we just do the same things over and over. After all of these years, we are still operating in the same thing and under the same motive. We are on autopilot. We're just doing without thinking. If I asked you, why did you wear that today? My man, why did you wear that green sweater on today? Mr. Isaiah, why did you put on those blue shoes? Why do you have that on? What was your reason? Some of you may have an answer. Mr. Isaiah had an answer. But some of you might say, I don't know. I was looking for something clean. It fit right. I like this. Some might say, I'm just trying to wear something I didn't wear last week. Somebody might remember, I had this on last week. What is your motive for what you're doing? What is your motive for sitting in that seat? Why are you, Kathy, in the back? Why are you in that seat? Why, Marys, why do you sit in the front? Why is there nobody on the front row other than four people? Why did you sit in that seat? Tony Bell, Shawnee Bell, what are you doing way back there? What was your motive? Why do you always sit in the same seat? What is your motive? These are just small examples, but motives dictate your life every day. They're in your, your whole life. But this year, we are leveling up. And this month, we're talking about leveling up your motives, how you do what you do, why you do what you do. We're going to level this up. Now, last Sunday, Pastor Parsons started off with, don't fall for the BS. Sorry for y'all that's new, but. Don't fall for the BS. And the BS stands for your broken self, your belief system, and your blind spots. Then we had three days of prayer week. I don't know if y'all missed prayer week, but they came at us again for three days talking about leveling up our motives. Today, I want to talk about good God motives. Good God. When you hear somebody say, good God. It's usually because they're surprised or shocked by something. They have seen something or heard something that just surprised them. And so they say, good God. Christ, I've seen a couple of men look at a pretty lady. And they say, good God. And then I've seen people look at some other things. 
That more surprise you made about what they're looking at, and it's the same reaction. Good God, like, what happened there? I want to, I don't know if God likes us using that like that, but I want to talk about good motives versus God motives. On today, I want to target four areas of good motives versus God motives. I'm going to try to stay in the good because last week, Pastor kind of hit us with everything that was wrong in our motives. They did the same thing, Minister Pastor Latanya and uh, Minister Tiffany. They hit us with cleaning up these motives and everything. But I, I want to talk about good motives versus God motives. We were raised in such a way in our family, and people are often surprised that it's just it ain't right what the folks be thinking. But we were raised in the projects here in Las Vegas on the west side. And y'all, it was rough over there. We was raised in the 89106, and we were raised to be good people. Yeah. Everybody over there wasn't a trickster and a shyster and a liar and a gangbanger. Everybody over there wasn't that. We couldn't be that. Our parents wouldn't allow that. We were raised to be good people. Go to work. Take care of your business. Don't be a schemer. Don't be a liar. Don't be in jail. Don't be tripping. We were raised to be good people. But I want to talk about good versus God. Because we get those two mixed up. I had a conversation not too long ago and they just said, but we're good people. But I want to talk about good motives versus God motives. The four areas that I want to target on this afternoon are we love, we lead, we pray, we give. We love, we lead, we pray, we give. Let me remind some of you of what those are. Those are the four cultures of New Antioch Christian Fellowship in which we are. Those four cultures are what we do. We love, we lead, we pray, we give. Some of you are new here. You may have never heard, heard those cultures, and that's on us. But we need to keep those cultures before you because that is, that's what we do. I want you to know what a culture is. The culture is a way of life of a group of people. The behaviors, the beliefs, the values, and symbols that they accept generally without even thinking about it. Without even thinking about it, New Antioch, you should love, lead, pray, and give because it should just be our culture. What we do, it should be what motivates us into doing every part of our life. Not just when you're here with church people. But your culture of your life should be to love, lead, pray, and care. We should do them without thinking about it. They should be communicated and imitated from us to the next person. I'm asking you, New Antioch, especially those who have been here for a while, is anybody imitating, communicating your love, your leadership, your prayer, or your giving? And I ask you further than that, that if they are communicating, and imitating you 
what does it look like? Is it good? Is it God? Is it bad? Is it not at all? Can they tell that that's your culture? That this is who I am? That I am a part of this, this family? Well, it should be communicated. It should be passed down. It should go generation to generation, new person to new person. It should be all in your life. Whoever you meet at the grocery store or on your job, it's just your culture to love, lead, pray, and give. It's just who I am. It should be instilled in you. These cultures should be uh, passed down just like your family recipes. I had a conversation with Pastor Ronnie just over on prayer week. And I told him, I said, I got to get with my mama. Because mama got the banana pudding recipe from grandma. And she got the chicken and dumpling recipe from grandma. And if I don't get it, it's going to leave with her. We ain't going to be able to have our grandma's recipe. And that's what we want. But what about the recipes from this family? Are they being passed down? What are the recipes that you're saying to your leadership? I got to get the recipe before y'all get out of here. What are you saying to Dr. Parson? Y'all, she said, I'm, I'm going to retire in a little bit. She's been telling us that for 10 years. And I believe her that there is going to come a time when she's like, I'm out. But did y'all get the family recipes yet? Did anybody ask? Anybody ask the pastors what the family recipe is in the house of Antioch? What is going on? What's the cultures? What's the family recipe? Because I don't want y'all to get out of here and I not know them. We must pass them on. The culture of this family must be communicated and imitated to those who are around us. They have to know us by who we are, by what we do, by how we serve. First Peter, our scripture, gives us a great look at the motive of the four cultures that are here in the house of Antioch. And I'm saying in the house of Antioch, and for those of you who are visitors are like, well, this ain't my family. I just visited here for the first time. These four cultures are cultures that are in the Bible. That's why we adopted them. So I don't want you to be like, well, you know what? I don't want your mama's recipe because I got my grandma's recipe. No, these are God's recipes. This is from the family of God recipes. And so I still want you to take the recipes and the formulas and the culture that we are going to talk about on this afternoon. And so 1 Peter 4 and 7 through 11 gives us our motive for these four cultures. Let's look at them in the framework of good. God. We will level up from good and end up at God. Now we have learned the rhythm of these cultures and that's why I'm able to say them so easy. We love, lead, pray, give. But as Peter starts to list them, they're not quite in that order, but they are here all the same. And so y'all just hold on and we'll get to all four of them. But Peter starts out talking about prayer as he should. We pray over here it's our culture. What is your motive for praying? Why do you do what you do? A good motive for praying is um, to say it's cultural. It's just what I was taught 
to do. It's what my mama did and my grandma did. It's what I should do. That's a good motive. Another good motive is to be obedient to church leadership. That's why I started praying. They said church leaders should pray. And so I started coming to prayer. They said your family should pray. And so we started praying as a family. A good motive to pray is to be obedient to your leadership. Another good motive, you know, that we hear that everybody says is because I want some things. That's why I pray. Because they said that if I prayed, God would answer my prayer. That's a good motive to pray because I'm going to God for some things that I need. And the other uh, reason that we pray is I just, I just want to be deep. I want to be in the things of God. I want to be able to pray in tongues. Be able to touch heaven because I'm deep. I want to be able to labor, lay out prostrate on the floor, and just be there for hours because I'm deep, deep in the things of God. I suppose that's a good motive if you're really touching God. If you're if you're really in there. Not that you're just doing it to be seen by people, but it's a good motive. Because I can labor in prayer with the best of them. But those are good. But I want to see what Peter said about a God motive to pray. Peter said, therefore, be sound-minded and self-controlled for the purpose of prayer. Staying balanced and focused on the things of God so that your communication will be clear, reasonable, specific, and pleasing to God. What is a God motive to pray so that you can please God with your prayers, not the people that are around you? I think prayer is my God motive because it pleases him. I want to find out what makes God happy, and me being in prayer pleases him. But then it said, be sound-minded and self-controlled for the purpose of prayer. The NIV says, be of a sober mind for the purpose of prayer. How many of you have ever thought that I have to get sober for the purpose of prayer? Everybody who is drinking and that I have to get sober for the purpose of prayer. That I have to be self-controlled for the purpose of prayer. I don't know how many times I see people still saying, I'm saved, but you can get this. People still reserve the, the right to be hood and, and ratchet and ghetto. I'm saved, but don't, don't mistake me. People got cuss words at the ready. Tony, cuss words at the ready. They ready to fly at any moment out of their mouth. They are at the ready. But this says, have you ever thought about being self-controlled for the purpose of prayer? To level up the culture of prayer is so that your communication can be clear, reasonable, and specific. That you ought to be of a sober mind. Have you ever tried to talk to an intoxicated person? 
useless conversation. They are not clear-headed. I know they got a saying that the, the drunk person speak truth or whatever. I have not found that to be true. <laughs> not, not in my experience. It is one of the hardest conversations to have. Whatever has them intoxicated, alcohol, drugs, people, issues, pride, ego, hurt, they're intoxicated. They are not sober. Their minds are caught up and going off of something else. They are not clear, they're not reasonable or specific. It's rambling and all over the place. It's aggressive or passive. It's frustrating and ready to fight and sometimes angry. But Peter says here to be sober and of a sound mind for the purpose of prayer. I don't like to talk to people that are intoxicated because it feels like nothing is getting through. And so you end up throwing your hands up and being like, I can't, I can't talk to you like this. And what I don't want to happen to us. It's that God says, I can't talk to you like this. I can't talk to you because you refuse to be well. I can't talk to you because you're so intoxicated that you cannot hear me. And y'all know God is good and he can do anything. What a mighty God we serve. But if you're refusing to get sober, refusing to get rid of your issue, then this type of prayer won't be your God moment. I want you to about that. Because we get sober to keep our jobs. We get sober to keep our family. We get sober so we won't be sick. Some of y'all, the doctor said, you can't keep doing this. It's going to kill you. And so you get sober to not be sick. But Peter asks, would you be sober, clear-minded, self-controlled for the purpose of prayer so that you might be pleasing to God, that your communication might go well. Oh, that's just good. So one way you're going to level up. Yeah. I done got quiet. One way you're going to level up. Good. My God, your prayer from a good motive to a God motive is for you to be sober-minded, self-controlled. So that your communication will be clear, reasonable, specific, and pleasing to him. So that he can speak back to you. When we are not of a sober mind, we don't give nor receive communication well. God can't talk to you. He can't talk to you with reason when you are intoxicated by whatever has you intoxicated. It's good to be in prayer. But the level up is to be pleasing to God. We pray. The other culture that Peter talks about here is we love. It's good. It's a good motive to love. And some of y'all got some real good motives to love. You, you know, you love because uh, we all need it. That's why we love. We love because it feels good to be loved. It feels good to be known by other people. We, it's a good motive because we're going to get something out of it. If I love you, then hopefully you're going to love me, and then we're going to be in a love relationship. Whatever that is, friendship or romantic, it, that's a good motive to love. It's a good motive to love because it's a cultural thing. Because to most of us, we were raised with love. Somebody loved us. Or we wanted somebody to love us. 
And so also a good reason to want love is because it's what our society portrays. Our society tells us to be loved. And as a matter of fact, for people who don't have love, they go looking for it. Because society says you should have love. Whether it be a child looking for a forever home. Whether it be a single person looking for their spouse. Whether it be a person looking for their, their friends. Society says you should have love. And so we go looking for it. Some people spend their whole life looking for love. And that's a good motive. I'm not saying that's a bad motive. But is it a God motive to love? God motive to love. It says here, Peter says, above all, have fervent, unfailing love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. For others. God's motive is we were created in love. God doesn't just love us. He is love. It's not just a characteristic. It is who he is, and we are created in his image and his likeness. All of the components and the characteristics of God are wrapped up in his love. Peter admonishes us to have unfailing love for one another. Peter admonishes us to have an unfailing love for one another. Uh-oh. A whole bunch of us just got disqualified. <laughs> because it says unfailing. But some of us, uh, the love done failed, and we done moved on. We done moved on to another love interest, to another friend, on to other people, because the love done failed. But Peter says that that love covers a multitude of sins. It covers all kinds of wrong, all kinds of hurt feelings, all kinds of disappointments. He said that love looks for the best in people. Uh-oh, for those of you who said, I'm disqualified, Pastor Sharonda, because my love done failed. It done failed in this marriage. It done failed on those kids. It done failed in this church. It didn't fail in society. I might be disqualified, but if you're going to love in a God motive, then you have it's an unselfish love. Oh, you mean it's not about me and how I feel and what they did and how they on my nerves and I, I know they ain't real and I know they fake. It ain't about you. That's good what you just said. That's good, but we're talking about God. A God motive to love. Peter says it looks for the best in people. Oh. We did an exercise, and I won't go too much into it. We did an exercise over at our planning retreat, and we had some people to come in. And I asked them to look for the best in them. Go ahead and tell me what's wrong with you. Don't write about it. But what's good? What's good in them? I know they get on your nerves and they did this and they did that. But what's good in them? And it was a hard fight. The atmosphere got thick in there. Because what we wanted to address was what they did to us. Now I got reason to be upset. And that's a good motive. You do. It did happen. But we're talking about a God motive to love. And the God motive says that love looks for the best in people. 
And so for that person that you said is whatever they are, is there nothing good? Are they completely rotten? Absolutely nothing good. And so your love has failed for them and you have moved on. That might be some couple people like that in the world. I pray that they're locked up in some <laughs> asylum and, and can't get out to harm anybody else because there are some people that their hearts are utterly dark and that they are rotten. But for the people you're talking about, uh, is there, can your love, can your love, your God-driven, motivated love, can they find what's best in me? Can you even look past your issue and your hurt? Do you want to? We're talking about leveling up. And so what does the Bible say? How to level up our culture of love. This is God's prescription and not the world's. Because the issue is that we operate in the world's prescription of love. But this is God. Uh, you can find it in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And it says love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Oh, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Ooh. It keeps no record of wrong. Some of y'all got that list that they that the kids pull up for Santa Claus. And that thing rolls all the way down. Some of y'all got that. And you are keeping record of everybody's wrong. And if somebody says something, you're like, don't let me pull it up. Don't let me pull it up. I can pull it up. I, I got I'm right there, I got receipts. I can pull it up. This record of wrong. But love, God love, it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. You know what love does? It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And love always perseveres. That's the kind of love that we should have for one another. You know what? The world ought to know you by your love. By the way that you love other people. Okay, I'm going to move on. Y'all tight. Hang in there with me. These are the cultures, and we're leveling up. So we're going to level up these cultures. The other one is we give. It's a good motive. What's a good motive for you to give? It's the right thing to do. That's a good motive. You ought to give sometimes. The world knows how to give sometimes. It's a good motive. We give because we are asked to. The church asks you to. The charities ask you to. Different people ask your school. Everybody asks you to. It's a good motive. You, you, we give out of obedience. I'm being obedient to what the Bible says, to what the church has asked me to do. I'm going to be obedient. And then we give again to get something back. Because even God said, test me in this. That if you give to me, see, won't I open up the windows of heaven for you? And pour you out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive. And so some of us give to get something back. We give to get a thank you back. We give to get notarized. We want somebody to see us. We give to get the applause. And I don't know, some of that might be good. Maybe not so good. But that's a good, good motive to give. But what's the God motive to give? Peter says this. Just as each one of you has received a special gift. 
spiritual talent and ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. A God motive to give is because it pleases God. It pleases him. And so I want to give just because I want to please God. I want you to see that prayer pleases God. Loving others pleases God. And now giving pleases God. God loves a cheerful giver. It is appropriate for a good steward to give of the diverse, varied gifts and abilities that God has given them. It's a God motive for you to give out of everything. He said diverse and varied gifts. It is good for you to give out of everything that God has given you because he has so graciously and freely given those things to you. And so I ask you, how is your giving? What are you giving to and who are you giving to and what are you giving from? What are those diverse gifts? What are those varied gifts that God has given you? I know y'all tired like, ooh, she can't really say money. <laughs> oh, she gonna talk about money. And I am. <laughs> are you giving? Or are you giving me that $5 that was left in the console of your car? Is that what you give God? Do you give him what was crumpled up at the bottom of your wallet in your, in your bag just to say I gave something to God? Because he graciously gives to you. He graciously makes sure that you have. He graciously gives you a job. Don't think you so smart. I know y'all think. I went to school and I got a whole bunch of degrees and I've been doing this all that. Do you know that there are homeless people living under the bridge with a degree? We get so caught up in our own selves. Do you know that? I know they always say, I got this piece of paper and can't nothing take it away from me. I challenge that. Because you could be sitting right down there with the rest of them with your piece of paper. Carry it in your wallet if you choose. But if your mind betrays you, your piece of paper ain't no good. If your health betrays you, your piece of paper ain't no good. I got nothing. I got Afternoon. 
Because he said it's appropriate for a good story. I desire to be a good steward. So that means your time and your money and your talent. That you, not a, not a, God, a good motive, but a, a God motive. The other reason to give is it's a part of your purpose. And I don't know if we think about that. Do you know your giving will open doors? That word of mouth and influence and stuff will never be able to open for you. That God sees you're giving. He said that of the lady who just gave two mites. That it was her heart to give that blessed her. Some of you, it'll only be your heart to give. Even if I don't have a lot, like I don't have a lot, I don't have as much as everybody else has. But my purpose is tied up in my giving. Because if God can trust you, with this little bit, he'll pour out more into your hand. There's a person in here, and they don't like for us to put on the spot like that, but I was talking to a friend of hers, and I said, why do you think God blesses her like that? And she said, because God knows he can trust her with it. God can trust her with it. Can he trust you with it? Where is it at? You stacking away? I got a couple of friends that um, their hobby is to save $100 bills. They got stacks of $100 bills. That's their hobby. They like to see what would feel like in their pocket. They like to see, you know, as they, you know, stacking them up. They like to do that. But I want to know what the give is. What are you stacking up? And not giving to God. Okay, that's the God mode. I'm going to move on. It's quiet. It's quiet, Tony, up in here. But these are our motives, why we love. <laughs> we love. We pray. Uh, we pray. We love. We lead. We give. And the last one is we lead. It's a good motive to lead because it's your nature. Some of you are just born leaders. Some of you have been leading since you was in the first grade. You've been leading the class and telling everybody what to do, and you've been the teacher's helper. It's just your nature to be. A leader. Some of you lead because you have to. Who else is going to do it? I'm the only one in my home that ha that's going to lead. Ain't nobody else going to do it. I'm the only one on my job, and so I have to lead. Um, this is what I, I must do. It's my, my job. We lead because we're asked to do it, and so we graciously say yes. Would you lead this? That happens in the church very often. We need a leader over this, and you say yes. And sometimes you say yes hesitantly. And sometimes the yes is eagerly, like, I've been waiting for y'all to ask me to help. And sometimes it's a regretful yes. And sometimes it's a, oh my God, yes. <laughs> um, okay, if y'all need me. But some of y'all, we can tell that it was just that. Because after, um, you know, one term or that, you're like, okay, I'm out. I, I did that. Um, and so it was just because you were asked to do it. Your heart never sank into it. And that's a good motive because at least you were nice enough to say, yes, I'll do it. But what's a God motive to lead? What does he say? Peter says, whoever speaks to the congregation is to do so as one who speaks the oracles, utterances, the very word of God. Whoever speaks to the congregation. Whoever serves the congregation is to do so as one who serves by the strength which God abundantly supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified, honored, and magnified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion 
forever and ever. God molded to lead. It's to understand, and I know y'all got through all, because he said, whoever speaks to the congregation, whoever serves the congregation. But I want to say to you, a God motive is to understand that if you never step foot on a stage or hold a microphone, you are still speaking and serving God's congregation. Whether you speak to them one-on-one, -on -one, God's people, and I'm not saying just your church, that's the congregation. No, the body of Christ is the congregation. When you run into God's people, whenever you run into them, he's looking for leaders who will stand up and say, I know when I open my mouth that whatever I say should be the utterances of God, should be the words of God. Whatever I'm getting ready to say, I'm speaking to God's people. And so I want to lead out by giving the very words of God. Whatever I'm talking about, whatever me and you are whispering about on this phone, a leader of God says, getting ready to talk to Chanel, whatever we're talking about, I need to utter the very words of God. If it's one person Two people, small group, in a class, wherever you might be, do you understand that we lead because we decide that we can speak the oracles of God? And some of you say you're ready for leadership. And we need a God motive and not a good motive to be able to lead in this place and to serve and to do so by the strength that which God has abundantly given you. We get into trouble because we don't take it on that her ears and my mouth should be together with God. We're missing that. The problem is because our motive is we have itching ears. I just want to know. What happened? I just want to know. What went on? I just want to know. Linda, so I can help you solve that problem that you had with her. That's why I want you to tell me. Tell me everything. <laughs> tell me everything. And then what? And then what happened? And then what did you say? And then what went on? No, my ears are itching at that point. I'm not trying to solve a problem. I'm not trying to solve anything. And my ears are just itching and my mouth is not uttering the words of God. As a matter of fact, something is feeding my flesh in that moment. It's the gossip that's making me feel good. It's being in the know that's making me feel good. But God said we have to level up our leadership to be led by a God motive to live. And the other reason is, y'all, a God motive. Not only are your ears itching, but your tongue is wagging. And your tongue just wagging. Because you are not thinking about would God be pleased with the words that I'm saying. But you're just talking. Why do you have the information that you have? And why are you sharing the information that you have? And what are you supposed to do with the information that you have? And who are you supposed to tell that to? You are not supposed to tell him. Or her, or them, 
the information that you have. The only, your tongue, I can't even do it. <laughs> tongue just hanging out, just talking everywhere. The only thing you were supposed to do with that information was take it to God or take it to the highest leader. But before it got to the highest leader, at least five or ten people knew what you knew. And we're looking for leaders. God says, I'm looking for people who will speak the oracles, the utterances, the very words of God. Whose words did you have? And whose words did you use? And at what strength are you serving? It wasn't God. It is to understand the God motive to lead. That every time God wanted to do a great thing in the earth, he chose a leader. Look all through the Bible. He could have chose a rock or a mountain or a tree to rise up. Y'all remember he chose a donkey one time? But the majority of the time, almost all the time, he wanted to do anything great, he chose a leader. Somebody who would speak what he said, serve in his strength, in history, not your own. Now we got four coaches. And I pray that they penetrate your life. We love. We lead. We pray. We give. And I want to say thank you to everybody who has served, everybody who's come on. Everybody said, I'll help, I'll help with this. Whatever you said that, because it was a good one. It was good. But now we're in the season where we are leveling up from good to God motives. And I want you to check your motives. Is it, is it good? Because, you know, I was raised to be a good person. But that did not mean I was right with God. And now I have had to, oh God, what's right in you and not just right with the world? The world just wants us to be good, but God wants our hearts to be right. And so I want us to press into the four cultures. Y'all tell them to me. I ain't going to say them this time. What are they? I said them about six times. What are they? We love, we lead, we Make that your life's culture. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to pray on this afternoon. I want to pray for us for that. And I know it got tight. I feel it up in here, y'all. I know. Um, but this is what we have to do. If we're going to level up, somebody got to give us how we're going to do that. Yes? And so I want to pray for that. And I also want to pray, like I said at the beginning, for somebody who is like, Pastor Ron, all those years, all these tears, all these fears, I'm just trying to be better. I need to be well. And I just, we can't turn the situation around. But we serve a mighty God who hears our prayers. And we got some folks that are sober-minded so that their communication with God can be clear concerning you. And so we're going to pray for that. Uh, we're going to pray about that. We're going to pray over the cultures of your life that they not only exist here in New Antioch, and for those of you who are visitors and online, that they're not just for New Antioch, but that you take those four cultures into your life. No, I love, and I love God's way, and I lead, and 
I give God's way and I pray. And I give God's way and I give. And I give God's way. And so y'all stand all over the place. And I pray that you can extend your heart and be present in the moment as we pray over, over your, your life, your culture, over what you do and how you do it. And then I want you to, uh, we're going to pray for those who use those tears and those fears. And so, Father God, we just say thank you on this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word that has gone forward in this place, God. I thank you for your reminder, oh God, about your culture, the culture of heaven, the culture of the kingdom of God. We just say thank you, oh God, that we, oh God, we do love and that we're loving one another, ourselves, the way that you have designed, the way that you have prescribed. I thank you for divine turnarounds and, and oh God, lights are coming on, oh God. I thank you for revelation that is happening, that we're changing even right now, our culture, our behavior, our motives in why we do what we do. Let us love the way, God, that you have given us to love. Let us be, oh God, pleasing in your sight, oh God. Let us, oh God, lead. Let us be leaders in the kingdom. Leaders, oh God, in our communities, in our churches, in our families. But let us recall and know that every time we open our mouths, God, that it should be of you. Oh, caution us. My God, if the that are us, unction us, Holy Spirit, when we want to speak something that is not of you, my God, in the name of Jesus, bless us to know that it's not only the pastors, oh God, that are speaking the utterances of God, that it's not only these ministers, oh God, but that it is us, because we are members of the kingdom, and you have called us to lead, my God, in the name of Jesus, cure us of itching ears, cure us of wagging tongues, my God, in the name Jesus, let us, oh God, be in you. Let us settle ourselves in you. Have mercy upon us as we make a turn, my God. In the name of Jesus, God, let us pray. Let us pray in you. Let us be pleasing to you. Let us be sober-minded. Let us be self-controlled. That we might be, oh God, in clear communication with you, God. Oh God, you're serious about prayer. You're serious about your communication with us. And so we just said, thank you, God, that we get just as serious as you are. That we clean our lives up. We clean up our issues. We clean up our habits. My God, in the name of Jesus, we clean up anything and everything that has us intoxicated. The issue, the hurt, the pain, the fight, whatever it is, the drugs, the alcohol, whatever it is, God, that has us intoxicated. Let us clean it up, God, so that we might be pleasing to you, that our communication might be clear, God. Oh, God, let us give. Let us give freely and cheerfully. Let us give because you ask for a cheerful giver, a hilarious giver. Let us give because you said that we ought to be good stewards. Over that which you have given, that we are graciously giving what you have given to us. We rebuke a stingy spirit. We come against being fearful to give. We come against a selfish spirit. We come against not enough. And so, God, we ask you to trust us in the little bit so that you can bless us with more, God. 
the separation can feel even worse at Christmas. With Angel Train, you could be the hands and feet of Jesus to hurting families in your community who have a loved one behind bars. You can remind children they are never forgotten. And it starts with a gift. Angel Tree volunteers deliver a present, a gospel, and a personal message of love to children on behalf of their incarcerated parents. It's amazing to watch how a gift from that mom or dad can light up their child's eyes and to see the relief on the basis of caregivers. And it starts with a gift. What a testimony of God's love it is to the incarcerated parent when you provide a gift to their child in their name to close the distance between them on Christmas morning. With the help of volunteers across the country, Angel Tree has delivered more than 11 million gifts to children on behalf of their incarcerated moms and dads since 1982. It all starts with a gift. Angel Tree because they helped us stay connected with our dad. Thank you, Angel Tree, for doing all that you do. Because you don't have to do it, but you choose to do it. And I really appreciate it. Angel Tree is really making a difference in my life right now because uh, I feel uh, like a part of my family. I would like to tell any and every volunteer from the Angel Tree program, thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for what you guys do. For you and your church, Angel Tree Christmas can begin an ongoing, life-giving relationship with prisoners' families. You can help precious children strengthen their connection with their incarcerated parents, grow in their faith, and learn that they are overcomers with great, God-given purpose. Angel Tree is important because it makes an effort to consciously include people, intentionally include people. I know it's real easy for these families to feel uh, left behind and feel like no one cares. Again, it's part of wanting to show tangible love in a way that people actually need. It's, a, it's helping people where they are in a way that they can appreciate. Many Angel Tree churches continue connecting with children and families through year-round ministry, such as Angel Tree camping and church programs such as Vacation Bible School and Youth Group. Thank you, Angel Tree. Thank you, Angel Tree. You give a gift. Families unwrap hope. What better way to celebrate the birth of Jesus? The greatest gift of all. All right, family. So let's take care of the families that are coming to the evening because we did. So make sure on your way out you see Servant Leader Pam Lambie. They have a table set up and you can just grab your angel tree. We're only asking that you give $20 for a gift. We can do that on Starbucks or fast foods or spend it on a child that's in need. Amen? Other than that, all other minds are clear. Nothing else that we have. Don't forget, MIT tonight at 6 o'clock will be here. Um, so we'll pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. We bless you, God. We thank you that you are always mindful of us and everything that we need, God. Be with us on this week, God. Continue to purify our motives, God, as we give our lives back to you again, God. Help us to be the men, women, and children of God that you called us to be, God. Help us to carry out in love, God, in everything that we do, God. Show us our just one on this week, God. Show us the one that we need to pray for, the one that we need to lead, God, the one that we need to bring to your to your feet, God. We thank you for everything that you're going to do and everything that you will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.